Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, like I mentioned in my video blog that I recorded on Friday, the jobs data that came out on Friday was just not weak enough for the markets. And so the market's carnage continues because everybody still believes the Federal Reserve may in fact be raising interest rates. The only question is, will it be in March or will it be in June? The markets don't know. And so they continue to be under pressure. At one point today, the Dow Jones was down about 400 points. I mean, I I know I saw it down about 390. Maybe it was down 400. I didn't notice. The Nasdaq was down another 150 intraday, but we had one of those last hour rallies, you know, just to keep hope alive. And so the Dow closed down just 177 points, the Nasdaq down 79. I think at the lows today, we were within 1% of a bear market. We might have been down about 19% in the Nasdaq from the highs. So technically, I guess Wall Street can still pretend we're not in a bear market, maybe for a few more days. And then they're going to have to admit something that's already obvious, which, again, the same thing is going to happen with the recession. Everybody is saying there is no recession. Uh, Eventually, they're going to have to admit it. In fact, you know, I was reading an article uh, and it was one of the bigger banks economists was he was negative on the market. He thought, well, there's going to be some more downside. Maybe the Nasdaq's going to go to thirty nine hundred or something like that. But he said, don't worry, it's not going to be 
you know, as bad as it was in, in 2000 or 2008 because the economy is in good shape and the odds of a recession are very slim. I mean, what, what would make him think the odds of a recession are so slim? I mean, all the data is horrible. I mean, manufacturing is already in a recession. The service sector is contracting rapidly. I mean, it's been seven years since the last recession, so we're overdue. The Fed is tightening. They're raising interest rates. And in fact, they've been tightening for two years, if you understand that the taper talk was the beginning of the tightening. Uh, so why wouldn't we have a recession? Plus, you know, we're in a bear market. And I know they keep saying things like, well, uh, you know, the, the market has predicted 10 of the last five recessions. Okay, well, that's, they got half of them. The Fed has predicted zero of the last five recessions. So who cares what they say? So just because they don't say there's not going to be a recession, they always say there's not going to be a recession right before there's a recession. In fact, they have a history of saying there's not going to be a recession when we're already in a recession, which I believe is exactly what is happening today. You know, what led the carnage in the stock market was the sell-off in European banks, and it was brutal in fact, these big banks in Europe are lower than they were at their lows in the 2008-2009 financial crisis. And the big one is Deutsche Bank, which is, you know, actually, I think, had to come out today and reassure everybody that they don't have a solvency problem, which is very reminiscent of Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns. Stock was down about 8% today. But all the U.S. stocks hit 52-week lows. Morgan Stanley down 7%, 52-week low. Goldman Sachs down four and a half percent, fifty-two week low. Bank of America down five and a quarter percent, fifty-two week low. Again, I mentioned this on one of the podcasts last week. These stocks are going to get decimated until the Fed says uncle. I mean, or aunt or whatever. I mean, how much pain are they going to tolerate? Because Japan can't do it. The ECB can't do it. In fact, the low interest rates, since the ECB is negative, negative rates are actually making it worse for the European banks. So there's no more stimulus coming from Europe because the stimulus is now causing a bigger problem than it's supposedly curing. And in fact, I've said this many times, you've got these bankers in Europe that are worried about lowflation, right? Because they see weak oil prices. So now they want to stimulate. But whenever they stimulate, they cause the dollar to strengthen. And the stronger dollar further suppresses the commodity prices where they're worried about low commodity prices. And so then in response to their worries, they do things to make commodity prices go down even more because they try to make the dollar more attractive because they're easy. The only way out of this, and I've said this over and over again, is for the Fed. The Bank of Japan can't do anything. In fact, the yen was up again today, a new 52-week high in the Japanese yen. And so even though Japan has gone negative, it's not working. The yen is rising. In fact, it's not just a 52-week high. This is the highest we've been since October of 2014 in the Japanese yen. So, so much for uh, Kuroda and negative rates because the yen is rising. That's like a tightening. And it can't work in Europe. They're out of bullets because it's already backfiring. They're making their situation worse by easing. So who's left? It's just Janet Yellen, and she is going to be speaking in front of Congress Wednesday and Thursday this week, and maybe she'll let the cat out of the bag. Maybe she will throw the market you know, a lifesaver this time instead of another anchor, but that's all we've been getting in the stock market. And again, none of this uh, surprises me. 
This is this is what I've been saying was going to happen. I said if the Fed raised interest rates, they were going to prick their own bubble. And that's exactly what they did. And despite the fact that they made a tiny hole with a quarter point hike, the air is gushing out because the bigger the bubble, the smaller the pin that is required to prick it. And that is exactly what happened. Of course, it's the opposite in gold. Now, gold actually traded up to $1,200 an ounce today before backing off. It did close the day above $1,190, which was up, what about maybe 18 bucks or so on the day. In fact, early last night when I was watching the, the Super Bowl, I noticed that the price of gold had dropped about eight nine dollars from where it closed in New York on Friday. So it recovered all those losses early this morning and then posted at one point it was up what 25 26 dollars huge rise there are a number of gold stocks that were up 15 to 20 percent intraday on their highs uh they surrendered some of the highs by the close but some huge huge updates in the gold stocks gold at, tw- at 1200 that's a 150 dollar rally in the price of gold since the day after the fed hiked rates right the opposite reaction of what every single supposed expert in the financial community expected to happen. And none of them are bullish. You know, I was watching, you know, on the financial channels today and people were still talking about how this is a bear market rally in gold. Be careful. I wouldn't buy it. It's going to go down. The fundamentals are lousy. There's never going to be any more inflation, which all this stuff is music to my ears. I don't want the conventional wisdom to be positive gold. The last time that happened was the high. And I remember that. I remember when gold was 1800, 1900. Everybody was positive. Everybody was agreeing with me. And I was worried. Unfortunately, I wasn't worried enough. I should have sold all my gold and gold stocks and bought them all back, right, a month ago. But I wasn't that smart. But I remember being uncomfortable when, after years of ridiculing me, they were now, uh, you know, joining me, right? And so I don't want that to happen again. I want Wall Street to miss out on this party for as long as possible because that just gives me that much more confidence that I'm right. And in fact, I got a little nervous today when Dennis Gartman was on CNBC talking about how gold is now broken out and you can be long gold in any currency. Remember, he used to say be long gold in yen terms or in euro terms, right? Well, now he's saying in dollar terms. So he's saying it's a breakout. And that made me a little nervous because he's got such a bad track record, right? Whatever he says, he's pretty much wrong. Although he changes his mind the following day. So he could be bullish on gold today and tomorrow he can be bearish and then, uh, then, I'm, then I'm okay again. So I was a little nervous because he was talking positive about gold. But then he said, but... Don't buy it now. That was his advice. He said, look, I think gold is broken out, but you can't buy it now. Wait for a pullback. And that really, I was able to breathe a sigh of relief because that means there's not going to be a pullback, most likely, and it's just going to go straight up. And therefore, a Gartman preserves his record because nobody following his advice will make any money because even though he thinks the price of gold is going up, he's telling people not to buy it. He's telling people to wait for a pullback first and then buy it. We already had the pullback. When he was telling people not to buy it, we had the pullback. We pulled back to 1050, and now we're under 1200. And I think when we break above 1200 and close there, I think it's going to be a very quick trip from 1200 to 1300. Even if Janet Yellen hasn't already let the cat out of the bag 
with respect to the fact that there's not going to be any rate cuts, rate, hike, rate, rate hikes. But the fact that so many people are still expecting rates to go up or assume that everything is fine in the U.S. economy. You know, they, they think there's problems in, in Japan or China. They think there's problems in, the United, in Europe. But why would they assume that everything is so great here? I mean, what evidence do they have to possibly suggest that? All they have is the low unemployment rate. Go look at a chart of the Great Recession and look how low the unemployment rate was at the end of 2008, early 2009. It was almost as low as we are right now, right? So the unemployment rate is still low in the beginning of a recession. So this recession just began, I believe, last quarter. So the unemployment rate hasn't had time to rise yet. It's, you know, it's going to, just like remember when the Fed raised interest rates and the stock market didn't immediately tank and people on CNBC were making fun of me because they said, oh, Peter, look, you said if the Fed raises rates, the market's going to tank. And look, they raised rates and it hasn't tanked. And I said, well, they just raised them yesterday. Will you give it some time? Nothing happens immediately. You have to be patient. You have to wait things out. So the rise in unemployment claims are going to come. It's obvious they're going to come. Look, we had the most layoffs, announced layoffs in January since 2009, right? So obviously those announced layoffs haven't happened yet. But the fact that there's a big increase in the announcements means that the unemployment rate is going to go up. And also, all these companies are getting killed. Look at these banks. These banks are getting decimated. Don't you think that that means that these banks are going to have to contract their lending? They're going to have to tighten up on credit when they're blowing up, and now they've got to shore up their balance sheets? I mean, obviously, layoffs are coming. If credit is going to contract, look at all these stocks that are collapsing, right? They're, they're going to have to stop hiring. Look, a lot of these uh, dot-com stocks that don't have any earnings that rely on uh, selling shares— a lot of them aren't even public. A lot of these uh, social media companies, they're not going to be able to raise any more money now in this environment, which means they can't uh, pay their employees. They don't have any earnings. They're losing money. They have to cut back. A lot of corporations that do have earnings, or they did, and now they have losses, their earnings are less. How are they going to shore up their, their balance sheets? How are they going to try to make their earnings per share numbers? They've got to cut their costs. Well, what's the easiest cost to cut? Payroll, labor, layoffs. And of course, I mentioned on the video blog, the main reason that wages were up so much in January is because so many states increased the minimum wage by so much. And since we're like a minimum wage economy, where so many people work for the minimum wage, a boost in the minimum wage, well, that's going to raise wages. But there is the downside to the boost of the minimum wage, and that's all the people who lose their jobs. And so, yes, some people are going to are going to get a raise and they'll have a little bit of extra money to spend. But a lot of other people are going to get a pink slip and they're going to have no money to spend because they're going to have no job. That's what's coming. So first comes the pay hikes and then comes the pink slips as businesses try to deal with her higher payroll costs. Well, the only way you do that is to bring down your payroll costs. You can't lower wages below the minimum wage because that's illegal. So all you can do is fire some people so that you reduce their wage to zero. And that is what's going to happen. So the layoffs are going to be significant. The only question is, when is Wall Street or when is the Federal Reserve going to acknowledge that 
and relieve the stock market. But it's not going to relieve the economy. As I said before, this is a very, very serious recession that has already started. And rate cuts and QE are not going to stop it from happening. It's going to happen anyway. All the Fed could do with QE and rate cuts is slow down the pace. But it's ultimately going to make it much, much worse. And I think the fact that it's now obvious, it's got to be obvious, rather, to the central bankers that ECB can't do it and that the uh, Bank of Japan can't do it, it's now all up to the Fed. And as long as the Fed wants to pretend that everything is great in America and that they're going to be raising rates, the carnage is going to continue. And Yellen is now, I believe, these guys are frantically trying to figure out what they're going to say, who, how are they going to get out of this jam that they have now put themselves in? It's the exact box I said they were going to be in, which is why I, you know, I thought that the Fed would be smart enough not to raise rates because I said, well, if they raise rates and the market tanks, how are they going to stop it? Because they've always been the one to save the market. It's a rate cut or a QE. That's what always backstops the market. It's the, the Yellen put, the Bernanke put, the Greenspan put. Well, I said if Yellen raises rates, the put expires. You know, now there's nothing. There's nothing beneath the market but a bunch of air. So she's got to do something. But the problem is she's got she can't admit that she made a mistake. So she's got to allow a certain amount of time to transpire between her original rate hike and her next rate cut. And she's got to let some time pass to put some distance between their, their about face and now they've got to come up with an excuse, something to blame it on to try to save face, to try to preserve uh, what's left of their credibility. But, you know, there's no real way to do it. Now, of course, the media wants to pretend or Wall Street is going to try to, you know, maybe say, oh, yeah, the Fed is smart. Yeah, they made a good decision to reverse and because they don't want to cast doubt on it. But the markets are going to figure this out. But when this happens, right, when the Fed basically has to acquiesce, then this dollar is going to collapse. The dollar was down again today. Uh, we we basically reversed the gains that we had on Friday based on the bogus, supposedly strong uh, jobs report that wasn't strong at all. It just wasn't weak enough uh, to get the Fed to admit that they're not going to hike and to leave the, the, the prospect of a potential hike in the minds of traders. But uh, we've already surrendered those gains and I think we're headed again a lot lower. Look at the, as I said earlier, the breakdown in the dollar yen. The uh, the Swiss franc was also strong today, not as strong as the yen. But these are another one of these uh, funding currencies. Uh, the euro is up too, uh, as well as the Swiss franc. And I think these currencies are going to rise. But if the Fed does what I think they're going to do, and which is the only thing that they can do, given their you know their agenda and their playbook and their history. When they have to admit they're not raising rates or they have to cut rates, the dollar is going to drop like a stone, right? People are going to be surprised by how many handles uh, the dollar index goes through in a single trading session. And, of course, I think this gold rally is only getting started. I mean, gold is going to respond like a rocket ship to a rate cut. I mean, that's going to be the fuel that ignites it into orbit. And yes, you know, uh, Dennis Gartman says he's bullish on gold and he says, wait for a pullback that may never come. See, when I might get nervous is when Dennis Gartman says, look, just buy it. It doesn't matter how high. Then we might have a, a correction. But as long as he's telling people not to buy to wait for a pullback, 
we probably won't get one. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I've told people to ride this thing out, because it is very hard to time it. Because imagine the guy that decided, oh, I'm going to sell my gold, and they sold it at 1100 What do they do now at 1200 Do they just jump back in and buy it? Probably not, right? They're going to wait for a pullback. Well, what are they going to do at 1300 It makes it very difficult. If you just stay the course and think about the long-term fundamentals, it makes it a lot easier uh, to be right. It's just that you have to be willing to be wrong in the short run until you're ultimately vindicated in the long run. But long-term profits are much more important than short-term profits because short-term profits can turn into long-term losses. And then what good are they? Right? What good is the memory of a profit that you never took? I'd rather have the, the memory of a loss that went away because it turned into a profit. And that's what I think ultimately is going to happen with the people who have been in gold and even the people who bought gold higher. You know, this guy from CNBC who wrote this article about, you know, the Peter meter, right? And you can, this was almost the absolute low of gold. This guy at CNBC, you know, called me out. Peter Schiff, the worst uh, recommendation in the history of CNBC, Peter Schiff came out and said, buy gold at 1700 And look, it's at, you know, under 1100 1070 or whatever it was when he wrote that article. And of course, I pointed out, there's no way it was the worst recommendation. Look, how many Nasdaq stocks are down 50% in the last six months, right? I mean, that's way more than gold was down, right? Those re- Anybody who said buy one of those stocks, in fact, every single stock that's down 50% has a buy recommendation on it. The only stocks that don't have buy recommendations are the gold stocks. They're the only ones that are going up. But all the stocks that are getting crushed have buy recommendations on them. So all those recommendations were worse than my recommendation to buy gold. But, you know, I, I emailed this guy and I pointed out, look, you know, since you wrote that article, gold's up like 15 percent and the Nasdaq's down about the same amount. So if somebody if somebody read your article and they sold their gold and they bought the Nasdaq, they're down like 30 percent. I mean, that's I mean, that's a disaster. Right. In just a short period of time. But I said, you know, maybe you should write something about about that. Right. I mean, you know, because, I, you know, I was right to tell people to buy gold. Back then, right, because I said, hey, if the Fed raises rates, gold's going to go up. I said, I said, buy the first dip, which actually worked out. And I pointed out some of the other things I got right. I said, why don't we you, you write something about that? Or why don't we, you know, you know, do a, you know, a segment on CNBC about that? And his only response to me was, well, let's wait until gold's 5,000. So in other words, according to this journalist at CNBC, I'm wrong until gold's at 5,000. 5,000. Now, yes, I said gold can go to 5,000. I believe it will go 5,000. But it doesn't mean I'm not right until it's at 5,000. So this guy wants to let gold go to 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and he's still not going to admit that he was wrong to criticize me for recommending it at 1,700. And of course, I didn't just recommend it at 1,700. I recommended it at 300, 400, 500, 600, 700. Yes. And you know what? If you go back and look at, you know, the things that I did say too, I don't tell people to put all their money in. I just say, buy it. And if it goes down, buy more. You have 10, 15% of your money in gold. You know, Wall Street tells people to have none of their money in gold. So I've been consistently telling people to accumulate gold because I think a day of reckoning is coming for the U.S. dollar. Because this is the biggest bubble, I think, in the history of the world. The U.S. economy is in the worst shape it's ever been. And there is a currency crisis coming. There is a dollar crisis coming. And you better own some gold. And you better have something other than dollars in your portfolio. And you better have some investments around the world to protect yourself. Because I don't know exactly when it's going to hit, 
right? Just like you don't know when your house is going to burn down, but you have fire insurance. So when it does, uh, you can rebuild, right? You don't know when you're going to die, but in case you do, you have life insurance. So your family is protected. The difference here uh, on this, or at least, I mean, we, we yes, you're going to die eventually, but with fire insurance or, uh, you know, auto insurance, there's no, you, you might not, you might never have a car accident, but you buy auto insurance anyway, even though you may never need it, right? Your house may never burn down, but you're still paying for the insurance. The dollar is going to collapse. It's not a question of if, it's only a question of when. So it's an event that we know is going to happen. And so we have to be prepared for it because we, it, when it happens, if you're not already prepared, well, then it is too late. But what I'm very comfortable in saying now is I think that we're here, right? This is, to me, like the, 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 dot, the dot-com bubble has already burst, and they're still saying it's contained to tech, and I can see it's obviously not. Or the subprime uh, bubble has blown up, and they're just saying, don't worry about it. It's contained to subprime. See, we've already passed the top. Right? It should already be obvious. It's already unraveling right now. The only question is, how quick is the process going to uh, going to uh, go, going to work its way out? The other real difference, though, between the 2008 crisis and the one that we're headed to right now, is when the 2008 crisis started. The dollar was at an all-time record low, and gold was at then an all-time record high. The dollar had been falling for seven years, and gold had been rising. And so when the crisis took everybody by surprise, they reversed all those trades. Gold fell, the dollar rose. This time, it's the opposite. Over the past several years, the dollar has been rising, and gold has been falling because everybody thinks everything is great, because everybody thinks the Fed's going to raise rates in this great economy. But when that turns out not to be the case, when people are disappointed that the U.S. economy is not in great shape, that it's back in recession, and that the Fed is not going to be hiking rates like everybody thought, but cutting them and doing more QE, then the dollar is going to crash and gold is going to take off the mirror image of what happened in 2008. Hi, this is Peter Schiff. And long before foreign governments and hedge funds were buying gold by the ton, I urge my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals. Despite gold's massive rise over the last decade, I still think that a 5 to 10% allocation to gold and silver is a smart investment decision. But buyers have to beware. Big TV gold dealers push all sorts of coins that are poor investments. Bait-and-switch deals, price protection guarantees, leveraged gold accounts. These are just a few of the sleazy tactics used to swindle inexperienced gold buyers. My gold company is different. We never offer a coin or bar unless I consider it to be a good investment. I want my customers to be educated. That's why I'm offering you a free research report exposing the biggest scams and ripoffs in the industry. Download my report, Classic Gold Scams and How to Avoid Getting Ripped Off for Free at goldscams.com. This report tells you everything you need to know about how to avoid losing thousands of dollars with scam gold dealers. It even tells you how to tell if a salesman is lying to you on the phone. This is a must read for anyone considering a gold or silver investment. Download this free report today at goldscams.com. That's goldscams.com.